0: Let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray as we commit our hearts and our time to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us again this evening, this morning. Lord, we we ask that we won't become familiar uh, with these services, with the sense of God. We will want to be familiar, Lord, with your presence, your power upon our lives. Lord, forgive us when we take it for granted that God would meet with us. Forgive us, Lord, whenever we would uh, somehow uh, just uh, stroll in, Lord, without having sought your face and and thought about your presence amongst us. Lord, we pray that you'll tune us in today. This is a, a very special moment. Lord, this is the first day of the rest of our lives. And, O God, we would pray that in this service, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us through the the relationship of the Shunammite and her uh, her beloved. Father, we pray that we would gain even deeper and further depths of your, your truths for our lives and for our experience. Lord, take us deeper into our intimacy with you. Father, grant, Lord, that your, 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 the relationship we have with Christ might be uh, explained, might be emphasized, and experienced. Oh, God, we pray. So we close ourselves in with you. Have your way, Lord. Even send your Holy Spirit to help us as we minister in worship and in praise. And we'll give you thanks and praise in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a good old standard for the first Jesus. The name high over all in hell or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall and devils fear and fly. Well, if angels fall before him, ought we not to fall before him too? We'll stand and sing. Thank you so much. We sang a new song on Thursday. Holy, is that right? Holy forever. We're going to do it just now. Holy forever. lift up your heart to him in praise and thanks for who he is, the great God of heaven, the God of glory, the God of grace, even the holy angels said he is holy they covered their faces with a, or their wings such as the holiness and the magnificence of a great God May he never be obscured by things in our lives. May he never be uh, uh, obscured by the, 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 the worries and the trials and the troubles that we face. May he never be obscured by the pleasures that we seek, the possessions that we have, or, or the hopes that we uh, have seemed to not realize. May he always be holy in our lives as he commands our uh, respect, our, our worship, our praise, our devotion. As we sing this next song, how great is our God you may be seated Samuel if you'll come please Samuel's going to come and read Psalm number 34 from the New
1: King James thank you Sam um, all of Psalm 34 starting at verse 1 I will bless the Lord at all times his mouth shall continue to be in my mouth my soul shall, shall make it boast in the Lord the humble shall hear of it and be glad oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him, and were radiant, and his faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear in him, and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you, and his, you, you his saints. There is no want for those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He is the man who desires life and loves many many days that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut out the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. That sermon is
0: absolutely packed with wonderful trinkets and nuggets of his grace and his goodness. Uh, the children are going to come out. I call them the children's choir. Come on, boys and girls, those of you who can, we're going to sing uh, the children's song just now. There's not many actions on this. Of course, if you do know any actions, then uh, you're very welcome to do, do them. Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible. We could really make them up as we go along, couldn't we? I think we could. All right. Thank you very much, boys. Anybody else want to come? Anyone, any grannies and grandes? All right, Jesus loves me this time. Well, now let your see seated. This is Are we children's choir. We're going to sing to the Lord. And if you know any actions down there, you teach them to us and we'll do them as you do them. All right? Thanks so much. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, ladies and girls. Thank you for doing that. Let you go out to Sunday school. Anybody else who wants to go to Sunday school? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm going to read a wee uh, story that I picked up uh, as we come approach the table, just to remind you of the significance and the importance of the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll read you the wee story, and then I'll quote you a few verses from 1 Peter chapter 1. This is a true story. Back in 1951, before I was born, an Australian boy named James Harrison needed 13 pints of other people's blood to endure a major chest operation that took many, many hours. After hearing that, and having come through the operation, he vowed that whenever he was old enough, and it seems you had to be about 18 years of age, But he vowed that when he was 18 years of age that he would become a blood donor. At about this time, health officials in the country, in Australia, were trying to figure out how to prevent thousands of miscarriages caused by hemoleptic disease known as HDN. It often occurs when a mother with RH negative blood becomes pregnant with a child of RH positive blood mother's baby is incompatible for the baby's blood and attacks it. Doctors determined that donated plasma with a rare antibody could prevent this rejection. They searched blood banks and found uh, that they, what they wanted in one man. You're right, James Harrison. He had been donating his blood now for decades. Harrison donated plasma from his blood for the first time in 1967 and it was such a perfect match that the government in Australia built an entire programme around it. Creating an injection for pregnant women called Anti-D. Harrison donated his blood and plasma regularly over 60 years. <laughs> to, the, to date, he has helped more than 2.4 million babies survive attack in the womb. One of them being his own grandchild. His blood saved millions of lives. You may see where I'm going with this, don't you? Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways and inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world, was made manifest in these last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in him. Think about that precious blood that has saved and redeemed you and me. Think of the many that you have witnessed to, some that you may have even seen one for the Lord, who in turn have seen others one for the Lord. His blood applied to our life. It's priceless. It's absolutely precious. And that's why we come to the table to give him thanks. I trust that you're here with a thankful heart. As we now lift our hearts in praise, I cast my mind to Calvary. we we'll stand and sing. Just as you remain standing, why did you just thank the Lord for saving, saving you? Thank Him for His work in your heart. Just upper, upper praise of thanksgiving from your heart to Him. Let's not just have the one name. Thank Him for what He's done for you. The lengths to which He's gone to get you to this place. You didn't get here on your own, you know. You're not a child of God because you thought it was a good idea. You're not forgiven because you have somehow earned forgiveness. You're forgiven because of His grace. Thank Him. Thank Him. Let's sing that chorus, so praise the name of the Lord my God. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the sense of your presence with us, Lord. Lord, we we again say we we don't take this for granted. This is not something that we want to go familiar with. Lord, we're thankful that we're we're serving a living Savior. We thank you that we're serving a loving Savior. We thank you we serve a liberating Savior. And today, Lord, you have set us free from the snares of Satan and sin and the blindness and the darkness into which we were born into. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom in our spirit to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to sing your praises and to lift up our hearts in gratitude to God. Father, thank you for these many blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the times when you've come to us in times of distress and crisis. Lord, and we've known your hand upon us. Times, Lord, when we didn't know what way to turn, God came. Times, Lord, when we thought we were at our wit's end, and yet you came and gave us new momentum, new motive, new dynamic. Lord, times whenever we, we thought there was no answer to our situation, God came and so easily resolved it that we wondered what on earth we were worrying about. Thank you, Lord, for these things. Remember, some of our brethren are not here, able to hear today, Lord. Remember, uh, our dear brother William McKendry, Father, we pray. I thank you that he is continuing to make good progress. Think of uh, Raymond McAleese, Father, we ask that you keep your good hand on him. Lord, even bring him savingly to yourself. Think, Lord, of um, Paul Murphy, Father, who's had that wee fall. Pray that he too will know his wounds knit back together again. Think of that last day, Barbara, Father, uh, in the hospital, Lord. We pray that today, as we prayed on Thursday night, She'll get absolute assurance of her salvation. Let's not fear, Lord, those she's spe- spe- staring death in the face. She'll not fear the grave, but she'll see the one who's Lord over hell and earth and all the skies. Lord, we pray for Barbara today. May she know a special dispensation of your grace and your mercy, your love and your goodness. Lord, we think of all those who have lost heart, those who have lost out, those who have left lost the way, God, we pray, bring them back. Bring them back into the fold. Lord, we're not so much worried about whether you bring them here or not, so long as you bring them to yourself. Lord, we pray that you'll work in a day, that you'll bring revival fires again to our our shores. Lord, to this church, we sense, Lord, there is that little uh, sort of stirring within our spirits. Lord, we sense that stirring of the spirit within our hearts. Lord, we don't come here wondering, will God be here? We thank you that, Lord, we come knowing that we'll meet with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the lover of my soul. He's the the fairest of 10,000, the lily of the valley, the bright in the morning star. He's the day spring of life. He's the altogether lovely one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Not all his benefits. Lord, we want one further benefit this morning, that you will come to this house. Come to us now, Lord, as we uh, lift our offering. Lord, we pray that you'll see the gratitude in our hearts by our giving. As we come to your word, we pray, spread your mantle over us, Lord. Spread your mantle over us. Close us in with yourself. Lord, those who need a healing touch, what better environment to know the healing of God now. Oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. We bless the name of the Lord, we bless your name, we bless your name, in Christ's name we pray, amen. we stand and sing, uh, sorry, remain seated as we sing the first part of this song, uh, The Lord's My Shepherd, the new new version, and the offering for the Lord's work will be lifted at this stage. seated. We're going to try and see can we finish off last Sunday morning's message, although I have to say I don't think we will. I said on Thursday whenever you do a recap and you, you take on something you get a whole lot of new oil. And, and you have to go with it. So I'm just going with the Lord today. So you can go wherever you like, but I'm going with the Lord. So if you've got your Bible, please turn with me to the Song of Solomon and chapter one again. This great chapter of love. There are three ways of interpreting the Book of Song of Solomon. It's a poems. and this poem is the greatest of Solomon's poem. But here's the three interpretations: this allegorical, another is a picture of something more superior. And whenever we have, and Esther and I often do it, we do it all the time, you probably heard me say this, whenever a young couple come to us for marriage, as Jack and Catherine found out, we take them through the marriage preparation class. And, and we always come at the end of the marriage ceremony to show the picture that this is a, a, a vague picture of the, of, the, of the marriage of the Lamb and His bride, Christ and His church. It's a vague picture. And so, allegorically, we can preach this about Jesus without any problem whatsoever. The Puritans, Gill being one of them, they took that picture. Spurgeon took the same picture, allegorically. This is not meant to be a, you can use it. You can use it as a, as a handbook for your married life. In fact, our married life and our Christian homes ought to reflect Christ in the church. Ought to. That's the greatest picture. That's where we take it from. So it's allegorically, or it can be literal. This is just literally the story of a man and a woman in love. And if you want to learn how to fall in love, read this book. If you've ever been in love or you think you've been in love, then read the book. If you're in love with love, then you need to read this book. If you're in love with every woman that you ever met, then you definitely need to read this book. There's some boys and they're in love with love and they fall in love with everything that's got two legs on them. I mean not in the pure sense. Or it's typical. So it's allegorical, it's literal or it's typical. So if if you think that I've gone off on a limb and I'm just making it say what I want it to say, then that's not the case. I said to you that I'm following along on John Phillips, one of my uh, most preferred. If you looked at my library at home, in fact, I was looking at it again this morning. Nearly every book that I have uh, that's worth anything is John Phillips. I, I just like him. Uh, he, 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 he appeals to me with his alliteration and everything else. So, and he has a book on this uh, where I got some thoughts. It's The Tug of War of Love. That's the name of the book. Do you not find that book? It's also also called Exploring. He's done a whole series on exploring the Bible, exploring every book in the Bible and exploring the prophecies and the minor prophets, exploring Proverbs. Wonderful wealth of knowledge. So if you're wondering where I'm putting it out right there, I'm greatly influenced by John Phillips and his thoughts. He quotes from J.N. Darby. He quotes from Spurgeon. He quotes from all the Puritans. So I'm happy with that. Are you happy with that? Well, that's what I'm happy with. Mind you uh, that we can take lots of truth anyway, irrespective of what interpretation you take, and apply it to our lives. Let's read together then from Song of Solomon and the verse 1. The Song of Solomon, which is... The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine, and your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, do the righteous ones, that's the literal Hebrew, the righteous ones. That's what virgin means when you think of the virgins of Israel. They're righteous people. The virgins do love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. Now, what is she trying to run from? Well, the next line tells us, the king has brought me into his chambers and I don't want to be there. We will exalt and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am very dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Let the tents of Kedar, Kedar like the, sorry, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not looked after. Tell me whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like the one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. Amen. We trust that the Lord will bless that reading of his word to our hearts. She suddenly finds herself out of the environment and out of the atmosphere of being with her beloved, taken against her will into Solomon's chambers, And she finds her heart crying and searching for where he might be because she finds no peace, no satisfaction, no contentment unless she's with her beloved. Any person who's a backslider could never feel happy away from the Lord. Isn't that right? I have often said that people, the world is full of so-called backsliders. But I often wonder, have they really truly slid forwards? That's a big picture, a big uh, issue that I I, I, I think of. Because when you once, as Peter said, it is, it is impossible to return them again after they've once known the shepherd, the loved one, and to turn away again. I have met fake backsliders, and I've met genuine backsliders. A fake backslider does no desire for her, for, for her to get back with the beloved. They have no hunger, no concern. They're happy to be and content to be away from the fold and away from the family. They may have been merely taken up with the experience of, of church and religion. In fact, I think sometimes people confuse conversion with getting a wee bit more religious. But she's missing her beloved. And we last, we, 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 we are dealing with this. Thought. How, how do you, how do you We're not home yet. We're not in heaven yet. We're still on the way to glory. Art. We're still in that narrow road that takes us to heaven. We haven't gotten there, but we're on our way. Isn't that true? And whilst we are in this hostile, alien environment, how do we stand strong? How do we stay against all the wicked ones and the temptations and the allurements when we're we're, uh, 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 contrasted with the things of the world and the world is flinging at us every kind of delicacy that the world can muster up to try and draw us away from the shepherd? How do we stand? Well, we have already done one of those things this morning. We have remembered our Lord. And that was a precious time, wasn't it? To remember him and what he's done for us. Well, just what did she remember? Well, let's do a wee bit of recap. She remembered the fervor that he had for her. Kissed me with the kisses of his mouth. And we liken that to his grace every day we get up. We are blessed with the grace of God. Every turn we take, we're blessed with the grace of God. Every moment of our lives, we, every breath we take, we are kissed with the mercy and the grace of God. Kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She remembers those times when he took her in his, in her, his arms and she was personally smothered in grace in the kisses of her beloved. Have you been smothered in his grace? Do you recollect, do you reflect, do you realize that time whenever he took you in his arms and you felt as if you were the only, the only person in this world and he was ministering to your heart. It became so private, so intimate. Those times when you get alone with him and he speaks into your experience and you know something of that love and he expresses it to you over and over again, not only by how he, how he takes you and deals, but how he, how he whispers into your heart. You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, In verse 12 it says Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and called it Ebenezer for he said till now the Lord has helped us or hitherto the Lord has helped us. I never looked into the background of that before, the context of that before. But it seems to me that they had presumed upon the presence of God and they thought all we had to do is take the ark into the battle. And hey presto, it's it's like a good luck charm. They presumed upon the presence of God. And yet God came to them again and brought them back to himself. And they returned the ark. And after they returned the ark, they put up these stones and they remind themselves that they have gotten nowhere outside of the amazing grace of God. So we reminded ourselves of the expressions of love when he comes again and again and he restores us. He whispers we are his. He, he confirms, even through Romans 8, 16, the Spirit bears witness of our spirit that we're children of God. Times whenever we would deny ourselves, times when we would criticize ourselves, times even when we would condemn ourselves, times when we would let the voice of the enemy whisper into our souls that we're nothing, just as she said, I am comely, I am nothing. He comes and he whispers to her. When there was the excitement of his love, Her spiritual taste buds had been awakened. And boy, she loved it. These preciousness of wine. Notice the plurality of the word wines here. It's not just one wine, but many. Their relationship caused an eruption of joy, thrill, fulfillment, ecstasy, rapture, pleasure, happiness, delight within her soul. A little bit of wonder that the early church used to sing, I'm uh, and now I'm happy in Jesus all the way. We used to sing a song when I got converted shortly afterwards. One of the natural things for me to do was to go to the midweek prayer meeting and Bible study. And our minister was going through the book of the Revelation. And I went armed with Spurgeon. And he went armed with Calvin and boy, we used to have good well, we used to some, sing some great songs we used to here, here's a song we used to sing uh, as as we would go into that time of, of prayer and bible study i'm li- some of you uh, more mature saints will remember this song i'm living on the mountain underneath the cloudless skies. anybody remember it Oh, some of you, oh, you're all on the early expansion. I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry. Oh yes, I'm feasting on the manna with a bountiful supply. For I am dwelling on beautiful and, and beulah land. I'm not so sure of the cloudless skies. Because many of the time clouds come over our lives and over our experience. But I can testify as to the other bits. Have you had the excitement of hearing his voice? Have you had to hear him speak of his love to you? Have you felt as you've read God's word, a word directed to your heart, singling you out for blessing? Have you witnessed as Elijah did those messages of love whenever the, 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 the raven brought in uh, uh, bread and meat, morning and evening, and it was a message of God's love to, the, to him? The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It was the excitement of his love. It wasn't something that grew stale. It wasn't something that had somehow dissipated and had diluted, but it was something that was real and relevant, and she reminded herself. Not only was the, the, the excitement about Jesus and, and the expression of his love and the excitement of his love, but there was the extravagance of his love. We looked at that last time as well. Her love for him and his love for her boiled over. Boiled over. We love him, we said last week, as because he first loved us. You know what I think causes us not to boil over with our love for him? Our lack of appreciation and understanding of just how sinful we really were. And our lack of understanding of the lengths and the blessedness that it is to know sins forgiven and peace with God. Sometimes we have a very poor view, a very shallow view, not so much a poor pure view, pure view, but a shallow, a, a, a little of understanding of the, of the depths and the breadth of his love for you and I. It says in Luke chapter, chapter 7 and verse 47, here's what it says, therefore I tell you, the woman that came and broke her alabaster box of ointment at his feet, she had that either for her her own wedding which was an extremely um, valuable box of ointment, and yet she broke it at his feet. And it's the one thing that we remember about that lady. And he said, that story will be told to countless generations because what she has done, she has prepared my body for the grave. That was probably a year's salary spent in purchasing that alabaster alabaster box of ointment, and she broke it at his feet. Why did she do that? She did that because he had lifted her out of the doldrums and out of the gutters of sin. She recognized what the Lord had done for her. He says, here's what Jesus said. She has done this when they questioned about what she did. She says, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. In verse 39, the context of that says... And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman this is. She is just a sinner. That's all we were, isn't that right? He came to us. And he poured out his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace and his pardon over us. She was reflecting upon how he cared for her. It's not here detailed, but we know that throughout the book we, we see how he came again and again and how she felt enriched by his presence. And so we can imagine the gifts or the presents that he brought her. We can imagine the phrases that he spoke to her. We can imagine the patience he showed her. We can imagine the passion he had for her, the, the pathway he led her, or the purpose that he had planned for her. You see, my dear friends, in him... She became a whole person again. She was made whole. Remember the woman that was the issue of blood? She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. And what did Jesus say? Go your way. Your faith has made you. Has your faith been made whole? Are you a complete person? Have you known the extravagance of his love? Have you known the extravagance of his grace? Haven't we known the extravagance of his mercy? His patience. Think about that. His patience and his long suffering towards us. My dear friends, the extravagance of his love is beyond imagination. Comes again and again to us and he pours out his blessing upon us. Oh, how he cared for her. How he caressed her. No rough handling here. There's no arrogant or ignorant words. He doesn't come and tell her she's nothing but an old trollop. He comes again and again and he whispers how valuable and priceless she is. Here's this, uh, a few verses in Psalm 119, verse 30 and 32. He says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I want an enlarged heart to, an, to be able to hold the capacity for the, for the capacity of understanding his grace, his love and his mercy and his goodness. That's how a married relationship ought to be as well in the home where the wife is enriched and the husband is enriched by each other's company. So we've looked at the fervor. fervor. We'll, we'll pass on, but let us notice that she remembers the fragrance of him on her life, his fragrance. This is not an expensive perfume that you and I go buy when we go on holidays. Whenever you go to Tenerife, you go down to one of them wee shops and it's half the price of what you pay for it here, isn't that right? No, this isn't expensive perfume uh, 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 like something you'd buy in a shop. She's thinking of the fragrance that his name has upon her. Notice the ministry of his person. Jesus to him says, the very thought of thee. uh, uh, J.N. Darby wrote this, I think. Jesus, the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast. Nor voice can sing, nor heart can frame, nor can the memory find a sweeter name than thy blessed name. Oh, Savior of mankind. There's something about the savor, the fragrance of the name of Jesus, as it was whispered to her heart. It was like a sweet fragrance. There was a man, sorry, Sam Workman. You know Sam Workman. Sam Workman was doing a mission in Newtonards, and a wee woman came to him one day and says, Mr. Workman, she says, I have a question I want to ask you when the meeting's over. None of her of them, dear. So the meeting was over and this wee woman came to Mr. Workman. Mr. Workman had a lovely smile on him. And and Sam was all excited thinking, this wee woman, boy, she must be interested in getting right with God. But anyway, so she came to him after the meeting and says, Mr. Workman, I have a very important question. What is it, my love? Is them your own teeth? It reminds me whenever Alan and I, Alan Barkley and I was, was whenever Alan Barkley and I was, was doing, doing a mission around Macherfelt, and we went to this man's house, and, and, and the man said to, I forget his name, master, you probably remember, I forget his name, and he said to Alan, he says, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, Alan wore these, these glasses, and they were quite big, and they were very, very shiny. He was, had polished them every morning before he put them on. And, and he says, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, or it might be the glasses you're wearing there's some people, there's some people can tell you about uh, uh, the clothes you wear, the shoes you wear um, and I know that well, probably Stephen you could tell what kind of clothes we wear, what, who made them and, and you have somebody sized up, I go to a wee woman, a wee girl down in, in Robert Painters down in Armagh, you'll probably know of them Stephen and and before I get there she says, she'll tell me the exact size what size of a shirt I'll need what my trousers are, she has me sized up and down and I'm sure she can tell me exactly where I've got cheap shoes, I've cheap cheap trousers or whatever. Some people can just do that. And there's some people can tell you the perfume and the aftershave you wear as well. They can tell the difference between Hugo Boss and Brute. (laughs) (laughs) Hands up those of you who put on Brute this morning. You see? And and, and some can tell you the difference between Calvin Klein and Izzy Miyake. And some of you haven't got an idea what I'm talking about. Because you still got the first penny you earned. Isn't it wonderful to be known about the aura and fragrance of Christ in your life? It had rubbed off on her. She's showing now the fragrance of Christ in her life. And it's, it's rubbing off. The, the, name, the name of God in the Old Testament was a very special name. It was a fragrance to the Old Testament saints. And I've written down. Uh, uh, th- there was Adonai. And there was, Elo- sorry, there was Elohim. There was... Um, there was Adonai and there was Jehovah. Of all of those names, Jehovah was the greatest and the most loved. And this woman, she reminded herself, it was Jehovah, my shepherd, who loved me. He chose me and he made me his own. She remembers the fragrance the ministry of his person, the magnificence of his person. You'll find that in verses 3 and 4. It says there, Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, the righteous ones love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Jane Darby translated like this, Thine ointments savor sweetly. Thy name is anointment poured forth. Think of the plurality of that name, nine ointments. Some of you can tell the differences as I've said just now, between the difference between Brut and Izzymiaki. In the Old Testament, God was known by various names, Elohim, Adonai, and Jehovah. The Old Testament's saints fell in love with, uh, with, with Jehovah and all of these names, especially Jehovah. They fell in love with Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Jehovah Nessai, our banner. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Sidkenyu, our righteousness, our partner. Jehovah Shama, he is there. Jehovah Ru'ai, he, my shepherd. Jehovah M'Kiddushchem, sanctifier. Jehovah Refika, my healer. Jehovah Sabaoth, Lord of hosts and power. Jehovah Elion, most high. To the old testament saints Jehovah was an anointment poured forth shedding its fragrance over their lives in all areas when they felt threatened or hungry or alone or lost Jehovah came to them when the enemy was hot on their heels he opened up the Red Sea but she knew him as Jesus Christ the new testament saints know him as Jesus Christ our saviour his name is a saving name There's none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. His name is a sanctifying name. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. His name is a sovereign name. Philippians 2 at verse 10, Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His name is a securing name. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus didn't come with dazzling feats of daring. He came with wonderful grace, mercy, love, pardon, and peace to the hearts of those who needed him. He is our Jehovah Roi. He is our Jehovah Shama. He is our Jehovah Shalom. He is our Jehovah Nessai. He is our Jehovah Sidkenyu. He is our Jehovah Jireh. He is healer, helper, companion, lover, friend, peace, righteousness, high tower. He's our rock. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Oh, he's a sweet fragrance to his people. She benefits greatly from his presence in her life. He is helping her become whole. She is realizing beauty from within. He brings out the very best in her over even her humility. And even as John said, John the Baptist said, that I may decrease and that he may increase. I was reading one of those verses in relation to what the Lord has done for us. Listen to this. Exodus chapter 6 verses 1 and 6. The Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of the land. And then in verse 6, he says, therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, notice all the hands, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery of them all, and I will redeem you from an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Well, hasn't he done that for us? Hasn't he come again and again? Not only has he brought us out of Egypt, not only has he made an open show of the enemy, not only has he dispelled all the accusations and condemnation of the devil against us, but not only that, but he brings us out, but he brings us in. Into close relationship, into close fellowship, into knowing his presence, and every, and every step of the way he walks with us and he talks with us and he tells us that we are his own. What a wonderful Savior we have. The fragrance of the name of Jesus. Every step of progress that we make, it is him that has led us in the right way. Notice, she only thinks of the magnificence of his presence, but she thinks of the magnetism of his personality. You'll find that in verses 3 and 4. The other virgins wants to be with you. The other virgins. She just wanted to be around him. We all know people we don't like being on ears, don't we? I've got some relatives, and boy, I want to tell you, you wouldn't want to know them. They have the foulest language. In fact, I've discovered... There's only one group of people that I I really, really like to be amongst, and that's God's people. I mean, God's people. Not people that are religious, but God's people. People who have a heart for God. People who know the heart of God. People who love the Lord, and you know they love the Lord. I love to be with people like that. I love to be with people who have got a thing for, for the things of God and love to talk and discuss about the things of him. When we send out wedding invitations, Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so request the pleasure of so-and-so. Sometimes that's not all true. They would rather they sent back, Please don't come. but I love being in the presence of my Savior. I love it when he comes to me. It softens me. In fact, I might even descend into tears or into joy in your presence. What is it? And at your right hand. The context of that verse, have you ever looked at it? David was encircled and embattled And at the very first verse, Lord, I need safety. I feel vulnerable. I feel open to the attacks of the enemy. I feel as if the enemy's got something on me. I'm condemning myself. The people's condemning me. I'm hunted and hounded by Saul, who, who you anointed as king. And I just don't feel settled. I feel disturbed and panic in my spirit. But I've learned that even, I am, even though I'm surrounded by the enemy, and even if I'm surrounded by all sorts of criticism, and all the wolves are at the door, even then, even it, but even then, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. You see, let, let's bring this to your house then. You, you might not feel all that settled. There might be issues going on in your home, in your life, in your family, in your, in your future. There might be things happening, taking place in, you, in, in your life. And even, they're, they're, they're real, because even in Psalm number 23 and verse 4, uh, it says there, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I, and it's true, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It doesn't mean to say it's not there. It has to be there to cast a shadow. It's real. But my dear friend, we avoid the reality of it because we're walking in light in Him. Just to know His presence. As he walks with us day after day, through life's journey. That's what David was saying. We read in Hosea chapter 11. for I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and I fed them. He came to them whenever they were vulnerable in the wilderness. Nehemiah was able to say their feet did not swell and their clothes did not wax old. Forty years caring for them, looking after them. Oh my dear friends, she wants to be around someone who has the, 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 the capability and the capacity to overcome every evil and every difficulty. Now you you compare him to King Solomon. Jesus said, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed a like one of these. Solomon, who had that grandeur, that palace, that capability to command and people be taken against their will and taken into his harem. And that, Listen, my dear friends. Why would she want to be running to be with the flock if she's in Solomon's harem? She doesn't want to be there. She wants to be with her shepherd. Something draws her. My dear friend, if you've lost off, if you've fallen out of step with the Lord, my dear friend, listen to the voice of God and the constraints of the Spirit who wants you to be back with Him again. The magnetism of His presence. Some of you have been through tough times. Who of us haven't? Even in most recent years where maybe your faith is not as fervent as it used to be and your walk with God is not as straight as it used to be and your love for the Lord, well, it's compromised because of issues that have gone on. And Who doesn't get hurt nowadays? And my dear friend, all you have to do is go to a church and get hurt if you take to stock, everything that people say to you. But I want to tell you, my dear friend, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty. And where the Spirit of the Lord is there is healing. He will draw you. God hasn 't scattered you so that you be out in the mountains wild and bare. He hasn 't taken you so that you feel lost. He wants you to be loved and felt and belong. Let him draw you let him and his character you'll never find a cross word and you'll never find a condemning word when you come to Jesus you'll never find him criticizing you oh he might chastise you and rebuke you but that's only for your good and my dear friend we can take in a wee bit of chastisement in the home and we can say well uh, sometimes parents they beat their children because they delight in it but you should never hit your child unless you're seeking to correct them God's chastisement and judgment is never is never for to destroy you, but it's to correct you. the magnetism of His personality. In preparation, I just my mind went back to John chapter six, where Jesus said, "None can come to me except the Father which sent me through him." And it hit me like a ton of bricks. As if I was taken away from the world in preparation and standing, standing before God on my own. And he said, I chose you. I felt loved. Me. Me. And he drew me with the cords of love and brought me into the fold and family of God. What what blessing. What blessing to sense the drawing, the wooing, the constraining hand, the magnificence and the magnetism of his personality. Little bit of wonder then, she looks around and says, I knew what I used to be, black and comely. The world had had worked its worst on me. I hadn't even kept my own vineyard. I was looking after the others. So there's nothing you can see that, that attracted him to me other than his love for me. That's why we sang that wee song this morning with the children. Jesus loves me, this I know. Your love today, your love today, is he drawing you? The magnetism of his personality next week we'll be looking at her time of temptation in the next few verses we see boys you don't use this as a chat up line by the way because Solomon compares her to one of Pharaoh's horses Now, can you imagine saying to the girlfriend, my grandfather had an old payball horse whenever he was, and you just look exactly like one." <laughs> I mean, you're not going to write that. You're not going to write that. And by the way, horses were known as unclean. So we, we, therefore we deducted this cannot have been the lover of our souls that was saying this to her. Horses were known as unclean. And also, bring your goats. Well, in in, in my theology and doctrine, goats are separated from the sheep in the end days. So we'll see how fierce the temptation was whenever she comes when we come back next week. But are you drawn to him this morning, this afternoon, whatever it is? Do you love him? Do you have you realized that wonderful love? Let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray. God in heaven, we pray that your truth will resonate in our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to confirm, continue to, to woo, to draw, to, to initiate, Lord, that move, that healing move, saving move, a draw, that, that constraining move within our hearts. God, that we might lift you up yeah. and that we might live in this world in robes of white yeah. in this day and generation. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, well, I know this is the favorite hymn of one or two. We're going to sing this fairly new to us. Here is love vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. And it is definitely genuine love. Let's uh, stand and sing together, please. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll separate us in your fear. May we go home thinking about the shepherd who loves us with an everlasting love. Help us, Lord, to make much of him. And bring us back again this evening, Lord, with an open heart, a a hungry heart. Lord, a heart full of praise and worship for God. As we return this evening, we ask it in Christ's name. And everybody said, what did they shout? Thank you very much. Thank you.